In this episode of the Smart City Podcast, I had a fantastic conversation with Amelia Loy. Amelia is a community and stakeholder engagement specialist who is the founder of Engage2, which is a public participation and stakeholder engagement consultancy. We begin by discussing the concept of smart government, and Amelia explains why she is so passionate about balancing the interests of different groups. We also discuss the upcoming Smart Cities Week, which is at the end of October, so the 29th of October to the 2nd of November, including an event that Amelia's team is running, which is at the State Library on the 1st of November, the Engage Tech Forum. So the link for this um, to get your tickets will be in the show notes, so check it out there and click away. Now, this forum is deliberately designed to provide a participatory experience and to facilitate connections and collaboration amongst people that attend. Amelia then dives into uh, her favourite technique to integrate across the different disciplines, governments uh, and industries. We finish by discussing the emerging trends Amelia thinks we should be talking about more, including the opportunity to leverage invited data and also the importance of continual and mutual dialogue and education to create an informed community and skillful workforce. As always, I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. It's the Smart City Podcast, whoa, with smart city experts, here we go. Connecting smart technology, both big and small. Smart cities are making life better for all. Big data, emerging trends, self-driving cars and more. The Smart City Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Amelia. How are you? Hi, sorry. I'm great. It's good to talk to you. Yeah, you too. Let's just jump straight in. And can you tell us about your background and what you're passionate about? Sure. Uh, so I'm a community and stakeholder engagement specialist, and I've been working in this field uh, for governments and with governments around the world for, for many years. And so I guess what I'm passionate about is balancing interests. Um, so what I mean by that is uh, my first project, for example, I worked on environmental policy. We were looking at uh, rivers and how we were going to balance the interests of uh, the people who needed the water from the river to uh, farm and produce food for everybody and the people uh, who were receiving water through the city systems and also food through the city systems. So I'm really passionate about how do we balance interests and utilize the resources that we've got available to us in a community in a way that meets everybody's interests as best we possibly can. Um, uh, mm. I'm also, yeah, I'm also working with governments to look at how they can do that. So what are the, the technologies available? What are some of the methodologies available so that we can engage with citizens and businesses and industries that have different interests and how we can um, get that information and balance those interests in ways that might be considered in government decision-making processes. Um, and that might be policy-making, it might be service design, or it might be the delivery of programs and services out to those in our communities who need them. Yeah, awesome. So tell us what sparked your interest in the smart city space or smart community space, as we discussed earlier. I really like to think of it as um, smart government and also smart communities. I think I first heard about the concept smart cities a couple of years ago. And for me, it's kind of a natural progression on 
uh, how do we evolve government and how do we make government smarter? Uh, and because of my interests and my passions that I just described, being community engagement, my focus in the smart cities area is building government's capability to understand their community and those different stakeholders and those different interests in their community and making sure that they've got the systems and processes in place within their organization so that they can leverage that information, that intelligence, which is smart, to make better decisions, to design services and programs uh, that are as delivered as effectively and efficiently as possible. So for me, that's the smart government. The other thing that I think is really interesting about the smart cities, smart government movement uh, is that there's a real opportunity here to look at the way that governments actually improve uh, community engagement and that they're helping to make the community smarter by, by doing it in ways that educate people and also give people the right information at the right time so that they're in a position to be able to make smart decisions, both for themselves and their family, but also for their community. So that might be in a disaster. Um, so making sure that they're prepared for disaster, but also making sure that they're informed and ready to respond to disaster. So I really like the, um, really like the two sides of smart cities and particularly the people side of smart cities. That's the com smart communities and smart government. Cool. I like that as well. So tell us what, I guess, a smart, I don't know what word to use now, a smart city, smart community, smart government, <laughs> what, what, what does it mean to you? Yeah, I think it's really uh, like what I said, it's about being prepared. Uh, it's about having the right systems and processes in place within your organization so that everything you're investing into, and when I say investing, I mean money and time, uh, everything that you're investing into is actually delivering the best possible outcome. Uh, and that's the best outcome for your organization. It's also the best outcome for your community, particularly given that's what we all hope our governments are doing for us. So I know a lot of people are very focused on technology and efficiency of government. Um, and I think that's really wonderful to be seeing as well as long as we're not forgetting about the community and the people side. And I mean staff as well as members of the community. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think um, let's go into the next question because I think we'll get into this a bit more anyway. Um, why do you think that this concept is so important? Because as I said, we, we do expect government to be serving us in the most effective and efficient way. And, and that's really smart, you know. And um, I think our level of service and our level of expectation um, of services in our community is increasing with um, with technology, with data analytics, and with the commercial sector leveraging those things to deliver more efficient uh, services as a business. Um, it's also we're also expecting a higher level of service in terms of user experience uh, and responsiveness from different organisations. So I think it's really important that um that the governments adopt this concept of being smart and look at the ways that they can do that as well. Yeah, cool. So how do you think Australia is embracing this concept? Oh, Zari, I think we're doing pretty well. Um, I, like you, have worked overseas and uh, I've travelled a bit uh, and I really make an effort to connect with my colleagues around the world who are working in community engagement, open, smart, uh, representative government. Uh, and I, I think that Australia is doing pretty well. I think there's some, some really strong leadership in our country, um, from 
uh, a growing mass of people who are working inside government organizations, but also who want to work with them, either technology providers or these new associations that are popping up to support governments to be smarter. And I think it's really exciting time at the moment. I think we're, we're seeing sort of a tipping point where those people who have been inside, who have been working at making their organizations smarter um, for a long time, are actually getting the support, um, both through um, their elected officials, but also through their executives, and also through these sort of providers of different services and tools and associations that are there to help us all. I think it's, a, I actually think it's a really exciting time. I think some countries have um, leapt ahead in certain areas of smart cities. And I think, you know, it's, it's all about the initiative that you adopt and you latch onto. And I think it's about picking something that you can deliver, um, testing it. We've got to experiment if we're going to get smarter and evolve. Um, and I think there's some really standout examples of that in Australia and New Zealand, as well as overseas. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, Australia is definitely part of this global conversation in smart cities and, uh, I think, yeah, what you said about, um, some countries are definitely leaping ahead, but definitely in certain areas. And I think if we can pool our, you know, knowledge together in this space, then, you know, we can do amazing things. Yeah. I think the smart cities week events that are coming up at the end of this month are going to be really exciting. Um, there's a, a team of us who are part of the center for civic innovation, which is one of the uh, task forces and committees of, of the smart cities council who are looking at different types of personas, different types of people who are coming into this smart city realm, this industry, I guess, it's, it's starting to develop, and how we can help each other more effectively. We've developed some personas. We're looking at user experience at the conference, um, ensuring that it's not just an event and people are, are being matched up with each other so that they can get what it is they're really looking for out of their experience of coming to Sydney and coming to the conference. Um, and we hope that, that those personas and that information will also be useful for how we can support each other beyond the event as well. Mm, yeah, no, I'm really looking forward to it and looking forward to meeting you in person as well. I know. I've been really impressed with your work, Zoe. I'm Thank you for making the time for today's call and I'm also looking forward to seeing you there. I, I understand you might be coming to our Engage Tech event. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, we're running an event on the 1st of November at the State Library. It's part of Smart Cities Week. It goes for most of the day, 9.30 till 3.30. And the focus of the event is on technology for community engagement. And we're not just talking about online engagement. We're talking about the technologies that are available for us to gather data, analyze data, report data back to the people who need to make decisions in government, uh, and also um, how we can manage relationships with stakeholders more effectively by having the right systems in place in our organization, uh, as well as all of the amazing, interesting technologies that are available to make community engagement, quite frankly, more engaging. So we've got some VR providers, AR providers. We've got some artificial intelligence software providers. We've got a range of the world leading tools that are available for governments to survey, poll, discuss, uh, visualize uh, different, different information for communities to become engaged. And uh, actually, it's been really wonderful to see the support that we're getting also from government. We've got um, some really senior executives in the New South Wales government, the Australian government, and I'm also rounding up some really 
excellent uh, speakers about uh, how these technologies are being used uh, in local governments. But the whole day is not about the speakers. It's actually about participants. It's a, a peer-to-peer learning uh, event. Um, we've run the event in New Zealand and we had 65 people from 25 government organisations sharing their case studies, their lessons and experiences using these technologies and the, the outcome of the event has just been amazing. Um, lots of support for different people in different organisations who are supporting each other now. Um, we've had a post-event report summarising case studies for all participants and we're also looking at some really sophisticated um, system design uh, potentially for the whole of the New Zealand government. So my hope is that we get to do something similar in New South Wales with this event and that it really, it's not just an event, it's an opportunity to build a movement and to support each other to deliver these changes within these organisations. Yeah, awesome. Thanks for sharing. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I can't, I, I can't wait to get down to Sydney and just kind of meet, um, all the different, you know, cause we've got the emerging innovators and then people that I've spoken to on the podcast will be there as well. Um, as well as other people, you know, globally that are coming in for the event. So yeah, I'm my, I'm really looking forward to mainly the networking, but you know, not just, you know, chatting to people, but actually, you know, like you said, peer to peer kind of partnering up and, and getting some stuff done. I think that's what I get so much out of, um, different conferences is just the people that I meet, um, through that. And then actually, you know, you can really hone in on the, the things that you can kind of do together in a really, um, kind of genuine way. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good point. I mean, that's really why we started doing. Um, our events the way we do them. So, you know, highly interactive and, and peer-to-peer sharing as the, the fundamentals of the design of the event because it really is those like water cooler conversations where you do, you know, get that information you really need usually and also build a relationship with someone who you can work with in the future. So, and Adam's really thought about that. Adam Beck, uh, the CEO of Smart Cities Council, he's really thought about uh, the format of the event and the spaces in between and how we can enable people to connect with each other in ways that do encourage that you know, ongoing collaboration, that self-organized collaboration, rather than just providing a lot of content through every single session that you've got available. Um, I, I don't know about you, Zoe, but I find, I find TEDx very overwhelming. I love it. It's great. There's amazing, lots of ideas to discuss, but not a lot of space between the sessions for discussion. So for me, that really, that and going to lots and lots of conferences where, you know, you just hear speaker after speaker really made me um, focus on having events that are very much about that space in between and how we can facilitate you know, interaction and, and deliver, you know, outcomes by capturing the knowledge in the room, not just um, the person who's up on stage. And Adam's really, he's really thought about that. Like I said, we're doing some um, experience design for the event and it's been really fun. I've got a really good team helping out and Adam's really valuing the work that we're doing and we're looking at uh, how we can facilitate uh, connection and, and that kind of collaboration beyond just the content in the session. Yeah, cool. So tell us about some of the other projects and things that you're currently working on. Yeah, well, the event's a big endeavour for me. And like I said, we've done just done New Zealand and now we're doing New South Wales. And as I mentioned, we're trying to use the event as a way to encourage the delivery of outcomes, not just host an event. Um, so I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes with uh, a lot of government agencies 
to understand where they're at with using these kinds of technologies and um, data analytics practices and how we can learn from each other. Um, I've got a couple of proposals in where we might see some change in that er in those areas um, at quite a uh, quite a, a high level. So yeah, my focus is very much how do we design the digital architecture systems and processes for democracy inside government organisations, and that's a that's a long play, you know, that's a long play for people inside government agencies. Um, and it's a long, a long play for um, a consultant like me who wants to help. So I'm very focused on that at the moment. And I'm working with actually at all levels, local, state and federal, uh, with people who are innovating in that area inside their organizations and who are uh, working with me to understand what that might look like if we were to work together. Yeah, cool. Well, I think that kind of leads on to this next question. Um, and I think you well, um, place to answer it, which is how can we better integrate across the different disciplines, government and industries? Mm, I love this one. Um, <clears throat> I look, my favorite, my favorite technique to do this. So let's, you know, dig right down, not get conceptual on this one. Uh, I worked on an innovation academy a couple of years, over the last couple of years with Code for Australia and also with the New South Wales Department of Finance Services and Innovation. And innovation in government and smart cities and smart government can all sound very fluffy um, <laughs> until you get down to the tax. So what are these innovative methods? How can we learn them? But also how can we apply them? It was very much the focus of the Innovation Academy. So we taught data-driven decision-making, data analytics, including big and social data analytics. Um, we looked at user experience design. Uh, we looked at prototyping and framing of problems and, and then pitching of solutions. We really tried to teach some of those more agile development techniques uh, to people who were both inside government, but also they partnered with community members and business, uh, well, people from the corporate sector who uh, worked collaboratively over a period of six weeks while learning those methods to apply them to a challenge that they had picked at the start of the program. And at the end of the program, they pitched the solution uh, and 80% of the initiatives over the three academies, so the three six-week academies that we ran, have now started to be delivered um, by different government agencies in New South Wales. Um, so, yeah, I think that's yeah, wow. that's a real... Yeah, that's a deep dive example, I think, of how business, community and government can work together. I'm also seeing some really amazing uh, labs. So if you haven't heard of living labs, social labs and action labs, I highly recommend it. It's kind of like taking what we did with the Innovation Academy and then going, you know what, that solution is amazing for our community. Let's incubate it and let's really look at how we can collaborate for impact long term. So how are we going to really turn this into a program of work where we, almost like you would on an infrastructure project, form an alliance to deliver an outcome? And so these labs are very, um, very good, have very good methodologies to really encourage that deep dive and that deeper collaboration. But I think if you want to do something, just, just something like touch, I think understanding your community, so leveraging your data analytics and your methodologies to identify those stakeholders in the corporate sector and in the community sector 
who can help you and who want to help you <laughs> to deliver um, social outcomes. Um, I think a smart government is well prepared for that. And so that's how, that's how business and government can work together. They utilize those kinds of tools to identify those kinds of stakeholders. And then they use the offline engagement methods and really target that investment, that time and that money that they're putting into their offline engagement to actually build up those relationships with those stakeholders who can help them to deliver outcomes. For me, that's, that's how uh, a smart community, a smart government can work more effectively together. And, and, and really, if I was to pick one thing that I think, you know, government could do to, to facilitate and enable that, it's really getting those systems in place so that they know who their stakeholders are. They know the social capital that's available to them in their community and they can leverage it. Yeah, cool, cool. Okay, I'm really keen to hear about this next one as well. I think I've said that on every question. Um, <laughs> but what are the emerging trends that you think people aren't talking about enough? Um, I, I think, um, you know, I've said a lot about data analytics during this call. Um, I'm seeing like insights reporting, I think, and the, the reporting of insights from community. Uh, I think that's what we're not talking about enough. Governments are collecting data from citizens all the time um, through complaints, through their customer service centres, through the library, um, you know, through emails into government, through letters to government. Uh, and I think there's a real opportunity to uh, leverage that data and that's what I call invited data. Um, I'd like to see more of that data and insights being generated from that data being used on an ongoing basis. Uh, and that also compared to big data and big social data so that we're actually understanding, is this just what people want us to know? Um, or is this what people and really care about? Or is this what, you know, the broader population, not just those squeaky wheels who are reaching out to us and complaining all the time? Is this re does this really matter to them? broader, more beyond those people who actually make the actual effort to uh, email or send in a letter or, and, and is this really in the broader interest? So I started off this conversation about balancing interests. Is this really in the broader interests of our community? What do people in our wider community care about and how are we considering that on an ongoing basis? So I think we need to talk about that some more and how we do that better. And I think the other part of that is also the ethics around doing that kind of um, analysis and getting permission from citizens to utilise that information on an ongoing basis. So consent, but also community education around how these tools and channels can be utilised uh, to build a smart government <laughs> and whether or not we want government to be that smart and to use our information and those tools in that way. I'd, I'd like to see a little bit more of that discussion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that um, I like the term invited data. Um, I hadn't heard that one before. So I, and it makes a lot of sense. And I think sometimes maybe we forget how much data government already has um, that they could utilize. But you, like you said, you need to have the systems and processes and um, all the, you know, things behind the scenes happening before you can utilize that data appropriately to make better decisions. Yeah, spot on, Zoe. And, and capability, you know, we're all learning. Um, technology is advancing the practice so rapidly. Um, and it, you know, I think we all are becoming 
you know, technologists and data scientists in our own right. So I think being patient with each other as we learn those skills, but also, you know, not sitting back because things are moving fast. Um, and, and supporting each other in that process, which is why that peer to peer learning is so important. I think we've got to do that inside our organization and build capability inside our organization, but we've also got to take responsibility ourselves to build up those skills ourselves because this, we're here now. <laughs> this is it. This is what the, you know, is in front of us. Um, and we, we, these are resources and tools, um, which are now available for us to do what we do better. And that's, that's really how we're, we've always evolved. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. I think the skill set thing is a real, um, issue or well, not issue, but a, 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 a challenge that's going to face a lot of governments. Um, and it's not about, that um it's not about that com- like competition it's actually about collaboration so you know i don't need to know every single thing about um community engagement for example as an engineer however if i can talk to you and and talk to other people and get a bit, an understanding of what it is that you um go through and 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 what the you know the whole purpose and outcomes and all that kind of stuff is then we can have much more meaningful conversations and i think that then goes um, you know, to the next layer of the community. If we can help the community gain better insights into what the government, um, wants, needs, um, you know, is doing, is planning, um, trying to make, you know, like you said, trying to make the community a better place to live and trying to, you know, provide those services. If we can then have an informed community, a smart community, um, which we already have, it's just increasing the level, um, like you said, moving, it's moving so quickly. So continually educating people of what is possible, what isn't possible, what we're trying to do, what aren't we trying to do, and how data is being used. I think, you know, the rising tide lifts all boats. So if we can do that, we won't have such a, a shock when, um, all of a sudden, uh, something hits us like, um, I don't want to use Uber for an example, but like that type of thing, but in a different sense. And so I think that education piece is so important and then that peer-to-peer um, collaboration. So, yeah, I don't know how much sense that actually made, but I think it's so true that, um, you know, we can – what we do at the government level can then directly correlate to at the community level so then we're all on the journey together and without, you know – real information about what is possible, then we can't ever kind of, you know, agree on an outcome or a common vision. So that's really important to get that understanding first. That's exactly right, Zoe. And, you know, your point about informed community, I think, and and ongoing engagement and, you know, on this continuous dialogue and education, it's mutual. You know, we, it's it's natural, it's natural for all of us to, um, protect our family and our friends and our homes uh, and if, if we feel threatened to act in our interest. Um, but it's also, I think, deep inside of all of us, we do, most people do want to, uh, are considerate about their community, about their neighbours, about helping and supporting other people. And what I find with a lot of community consultation is we make these big announcements about projects that actually have a uh, social rationalisation um, or they're, they're being developed. We're developing a new road because we know that you're sitting in traffic and you're not actually making it home in time to see your children. <laughs> and so we know that this is of service to the community. However, it does have an impact on a hand, a very high and significant 
impact on a, on a small number of people. And we do need to consider that information and those impacts and manage them as best we can while also making sure that we're communicating and everybody's understanding that there's a need, there's a rationalization um, for this project because the rest of the community also are going to benefit long term. And that's really, really important. So as you, you said, you know, we don't want to announce these things and have a shock. Unfortunately, with community engagement, it's typically consultation where these big announcements are made and they do come as a shock and they do have a really significant impact, even just the announcements sometimes uh, on these families and on these homes. Whereas I think if there's much more of a continuous dialogue, it's expected and there's a greater understanding. The community are much more informed. They know what's coming. And there's, an, as I said, a mutuality in the way that we're accepting and the change and balancing interests and serving the community. Um, so for me, that's, that's a really big part of this sort of smart government and how we can build up our capability. Um, and, 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 you know, that a big part of that is building up our intelligence and understanding of the issues and how we, and how we communicate them externally as well. Cool. Well, it's been so awesome to chat with you today, Amelia. Thanks so much for coming on to the Smart City podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure, Zoe. Uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of what you're doing, so please keep it up. I find your podcast really interesting and I think it's really great that you're giving, you know, these people across Australia and the world an opportunity to share what they're doing because we, as we've said a few times throughout this call, it's really important that we're learning from each other. So thank you. Awesome. I just have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? Uh, probably best to go through my website, www.engage2.com.au. Uh, feel free to also reach out to me. My phone number's on the website and I'm very happy to connect with people on LinkedIn. It's always good to understand where other people are coming from before they reach out to you. But any time, guys, I'm, I would love to hear more about what everybody else is doing in this space as well. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming onto the podcast and thanks for your kind words. I definitely plan to continue to um, spread the message. Um, smart, you know, communities, smart cities, smart towns, smart regions. So thanks again for coming onto the podcast. It's a pleasure. I'll see you in Sydney uh, for Smart Cities Week. Yes. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Bye, Zoe. See you then. Bye. It's the Smart City Podcast. Whoa. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart City Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found at thesmartcitypodcast.com. If you have any questions or comments for me or any of my guests, connect with me via email zoe at thesmartcitypodcast.com or via the socials. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at smartcitypod. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. City Podcast is what you're looking for.